Our lesson today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour. Knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife Sarah? And he said, there, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now, Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Thanks be to God. In the name of our triune God, amen. It has been a tough couple of weeks worth of biblical readings around here, hasn't it? We've heard multiple authors talk about the worst of humanity and a hopeful destruction of those who are considered the wealthy and the powerful. We've had to take a hard look into the mirror at ourselves and learn how to be self-critical in a way that pushes us outside of ourselves and move towards our neighbor and to God. Those stories that we've been hearing over the past several weeks are necessary, though complicated and hard to hear. But this morning, we get a different sort of narrative. After the birth of Ishmael by Hagar, God made a covenant with Abram, and Abram was given the new name Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations, God told him. 
After Abraham's encounter with God, he goes back to his people and has all of the males of the community mark themselves with the sign of this covenant made between him and God by being circumcised. Of course, Sarai also gets her new name, Sarah, and God promises that she too will be blessed and will bear Abraham a son. It is interesting to me that we don't often read what happens in the next part of that particular section of this story. After Abraham heard this this promise of a child, he fell on his face and he laughed at God. Abraham laughed so hard that he literally fell over. I find that interesting. So after this encounter with God and after the circumcising of all of the men, we get now to the top of today's story. God comes to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, a very special place in the history of our faith ancestors. The Oaks of Mamre was the location where God commanded Abraham to go and to make an altar for God. This was considered a sacred location, and there God found Abraham once more, resting in the shade from the heat of the day. Three strangers then appeared and came towards Abraham. Now, it's unclear exactly what this word appeared means, but nonetheless, they appeared and walked toward Abraham. It's an interesting sequence of events, and one that requires a whole lot less imagination than other stories and parables we often hear about. It seems to be fairly straightforward, right? The men walk past the tent of Abraham, and Abraham notices that they have been traveling in the heat of the day through the desert. Now, forgive me for saying obvious things, uh, but we must, of course, remember that traveling through the desert is not like traveling across the great state of Minnesota. There's no air conditioning, there's no Marriott or Hyatt or Hilton, there's no McDonald's to grab a quick bite or a light refreshment. There was nothing but dry, empty desert and three men walking by foot. So Abraham got up and called them inside his tent to rest and relax. He organized all of his people to make an elaborate feast for the strangers and in good fashion made sure that everyone under his control worked as hard as possible to prepare the food while he got to play a lovely host and serve them some milk and yogurt. The hospitality of the family is indeed commendable to be sure, but what stands out to me is the wording of this part of the story. Did you catch it? Abraham said, Sarah, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Quickly, run, hasten, quickly make three measures of choice flour worth of bread, which comes to about 30 loaves worth of bread in today's standards of baking. Quickly go and slaughter a whole cow, clean it, prepare it, and cook it for our servants. Abraham is in a hurry to be hospitable, but his demands are anything but quick. How off his timing seems to be. Then we get to Sarah's entrance in the story. These strangers who have not yet been introduced to anyone in the community outside of Abraham make a strange request. They ask, they ask for Sarah by name. And after Sarah comes out, she hears the same promise made by God again, 
that she will bear a child for Abraham, a child who will be the recipient of God's covenant. Then Sarah does what Sarah has become most known for. She laughs. She laughs at the absurdity of it all, and perhaps she even laughs at the frustration of it all. We know that she has tried for years to bear a child for Abraham, but it just could never happen. Perhaps she felt a bit of acceptance of this fact after the birth of Ishmael, but being reminded again and again that she has failed by all of the standards of that particular place in that particular time could not have been easy for her. And so she laughs in disbelief, in anger, in frustration. She laughs. Of course, we know the end of the story. Sarah does bear a son, and she does name him Isaac, as God commanded. Sarah and Abraham experience that fullness of God's promises, and in return do as God has asked of them. Name him Isaac, have him circumcised, and be part of this family who becomes the embodiment of the covenant. It's a straightforward story, right? God's promises always come through, no matter your belief or disbelief. I think that's an okay reading of the story, but I think it can sometimes be unfair. Sure, God did keep God's promise, but look at the rest of this story. Let's think about quickly that moment of hospitality, which was met with the tension of hurry, but also that lack of possibility to move quickly on on what Abraham was asking. Let's think about the timing of God's promise as a whole, which was not hurried at all and took what seemed to be forever and and pair it with the hurriedness of Sarah and Abraham to conceive through Hagar. I think when you put the whole body of this story together, we see a family who wants in the worst way to trust in God's promises but who feels that fire of urgency within them to make things happen now. And whenever they try to rush it, things go wrong. As always, there are many perspectives to all of these stories, right? And, and, um, and, and this particular story can be seen uh, as a story of kept promises or a story of hospitality. And I like those, but I think this morning it means a bit more to me. This issue of timing has really stood out to me uh, in this whole story. From the beginning of the story until now, there has been an issue of timing. We hear of Sarah and Abraham's increasingly old age. Questions of whether God can be trusted because God's promise doesn't come to be for decades. And even unintended consequences of of rushing the guests of God and and the promises of God. The story makes me wonder, what promise, what call are we trying to rush today? What are we demanding have happen on our time, no matter the consequences? This issue of trusting and proper timing, I will admit, is rather awful. For those of us who have been stopped, for those of us who have been forced to dwell in a liminal space of time between a promise made and a promise made manifest, that time is awful. 
And I think it's fair that while dwelling in that liminal, brutal, slow pace of God's timing, it is okay to laugh. Sarah's laughter and even Abraham's laughter in the chapter before are often seen as an unfaithful response to God, an action of disbelief or bad faith, something to be ashamed of. But as with everything God does, God makes laughter a key piece of this foundational story. God notes Sarah's and Abraham's laughter and requests that the promised child's name be Isaac, which means laughter in Hebrew. God notes that laughter, and in my imagination, smiles, looking upon Abraham and Sarah as a parent who looks upon a child and says, you just wait and see. Our human nature wants to rush things along, and when they don't happen, we might laugh out in frustration or disbelief. In the face of hoping and waiting for a promise of new life or healing or wholeness or, yes, even the birth of a child, the waiting can seem unbearable, unimaginable, perhaps even life-ending. And you might even laugh at God because the promises God makes might seem absurd and wholly laughable. But we know that God does keep God's promises eventually. And so in the meantime, we can gather here together, hold each other in our grief, our laughter, our tears, our human experience of a seeming loss of that hope that the promise will come. And we can laugh together at God because God's history is absurd. God takes forever to get things done and makes things happen in times and places and for people whom we think it could and should never happen. But ultimately, we can laugh at God because God will take that laughter and eventually turn it into something great and will show that God's humor is always rooted in love for all of God's people. Amen.